Welcome, everybody, to the Green Team Legendarium Podcast. With me today, I have Faithful Kiptan. Ayo. And my main mate, Sean. What's going on? I'm Yeti Beats, and we're going to be discussing Ship of Destiny by Robin Hobb, book three in the Live Ship Traders trilogy. And I got to tell you, we... I survived. It looks like Kip survived. Sean's looking good. Um, what a journey, guys. I'm here. What a journey. I mean, that's... Uh, what's there to say? Is this it? I don't know. But with, Kip, what's... With much, <laughs> with much perseverance, I survived. You sped through it, though, Kip. Yeah, I'm impressed, honestly. I just had to remember, don't, don't get too attached. Don't get too attached. Don't get too attached. <laughs> Yeah, that was your mantra throughout the whole thing, pretty much. They're going to die, so don't get attached. They're going to die, so don't get attached. And then some of them didn't die, and it was great. I know, that is funny. When you kept saying that, I, I feel like on your head, on your mind was like a death or a thing. I'm thinking like, ah, oh, it's honestly much worse than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, give us, hit us with your spoil, spoiler-free thoughts on Ship of Destiny. And um, if you want the trilogy as a whole... But uh, since you're, this is your first read through. Oof. Okay. So from Hob, I was of course expecting good character work, and I got that. I was also expecting some very sad things to happen. That also occurred. What I maybe wasn't expecting was for her to change my mind about how good character work can happen. Uh, and I think that especially mad ship gave some gave me just a plus character work that i'm going to judge other books by from now on very nice what about you sean feel similarly i mean yeah um i was expecting the great character work like kip said um and definitely got that uh I was definitely interested to see how she would handle doing multiple POVs compared to just doing fits for an entire trilogy. Um, and I think she does that even better than just a single POV. Because there were times where I'm reading Live Ship and there's an interaction between two characters that are both POV characters. And you can almost like guess how the one character is going to react or you can know what's, you know what they're thinking in the moment because of how established they are as a character that's how good good Hob is at establishing these characters. So that made for a satisfying read. Um, but I was expecting it to be great overall, and it was great overall. Yeah, if I can add just one little bit, I, w I was not super happy with the pacing of the like last five to ten percent of this book. Hmm. <laughs> I, I thought it was much weaker than the rest of the series, especially the parts of the series that had immediately preceded it. You thought you thought it was slow? I thought I thought it was too fast. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought it was far too fast and it, it really sped things up beyond a pace point and beyond like a consequence point where it almost felt like uh maybe I'll return to this in spoilers, but things started feeling unearned. I think I felt similarly when I read it. Um, not the unearned part, but I, I did want a little more like post-big events for me to just kind of 
sit with these characters for a bit longer after yeah. the main conflicts. I either more or less. It did feel like an epilogue, but it wasn't labeled as an epilogue because she was really big on her, like, stylistic, you start with a prologue and you got to end with a certain type of epilogue. She felt locked in by that structure. Right. Yeah, it's weird coming out of that book, especially kind of the last, not the last 10%, but that, like, 20% before, how, like, jam-packed it was and on a ride. It's weird coming out of that last 10, wanting more. (laughs) <laughs> especially after all of what you just read. And that, I, I yeah. get it. I did feel like that too. Although on my first read, I wasn't super dissatisfied because I hadn't read anything else yet in the realm of the elderlings. So I had, so in my mind I was like, okay, I guess maybe there's what, three more trilogies left that possibly will, you know, keep this story going. At least some of these characters, now I've read a little bit more into it, and I'm not 100% sure that's true, even though, you know, but I'm still hopeful. But that was my mindset. I wasn't as disappointed, but you definitely have a valid point. I mean, it kind of just like hits each character at a different point, and it's like, hmm, so we're at here right now, and this is. It's like, okay, it's I guess these things need to be in place before the next series can happen, I guess. Right. But but it al- it almost feels like something would have been better served even by like a short novella that's just like aftermath or something like I don't know. <laughs> Is there one? I know there's a couple novellas in the world, but I don't think they're live ship related. Well, with with these chapters, they don't need to be. <laughs> yeah, I think there's one like pre Assassin's Apprentice or like a couple pre Assassin's Apprentice. Robin Hobb Aftermath. It's like the least Robin Hobb title I've ever heard. It's like, it's like <laughs> trashy sci-fi. But... <laughs> no, um, it's a Jim. It's a Jim Butcher uh, <laughs> title. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. I would you. So I guess that kind of dovetails. Would you? Do you think this was a satisfying end uh, for the trilogy? I'm leaning no or. Or yes, uh, it's hard to tell. Yes, it was just slightly disappointing, st- stylistically. I think, I think it did. Yes. I do too. I, I think in the end, I was. She has just a, a such a knack for taking it in a direction that I am not expecting, but did want, maybe not secretly knowing, but like in feeling fulfilled <laughs> in the decisions she made. Um, like throughout each book, I was like, "Oh, didn't see it going," and this this is the kind of arc she was taking, and I felt similarly in this fashion, and this book where I felt fulfilled after reading it with all the characters' arcs for the most part. And yeah, it's going like to be that. hard for me to articulate this part without spoilers. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, I do, I want to go back real quick, Kip, to you. I think we asked it last episode, but now that you've read all three. Do you think this was a better starting point for Hob fans than the fir- uh, first trilogy? Than the first three? Uh, I mean, I haven't read the rest. How am I going to know that? <laughs> well, like for no, for like far, like Farseer. Would you tell a Hob fan to start with Farseer or to get? Because I'm, I'm I, after reading it again, I'm fully in the camp that this is the best part to start with for if learning Hob and liking Hob. I think uh, it. I think it depends what they want. It depends who you're recommending to. But in general, I think I'd still go with Farseer as the entry point. Touche. You too, Sean. 
I don't like how there's Assassin's Quest spoilers in Live Ship, even though you probably wouldn't even recognize them if you hadn't read Farseer, but still. That's that's kind of that's enough for me to be like, no, can't do yeah. it. Yeah. It's a good point. All right, should we jump into spoilers territory and uh get this show yeah. on the road? That was a good non-spoiler segment yeah. for us. I feel like that, that was I held back. That was better than usual. <laughs> I gave I gave Mad Ship five stars and I gave Ship of Destiny four. Me too. And it's only because of the last like few chapters. Oh, that's a good point. So uh, everyone's favorite book. You're saying Mad Ship, Kip, and yep. Sean. You also think Mad Ship? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I said Mad Ship in the last episode, but I think I'm changing my mind. Uh, I think Ship of Ooh. Destiny. After that second, there's just there's just so much in that last the second half. It really is. Ship of Destiny was building towards favorite for sure. It was building. It was building. <laughs> it was building, and then off a cliff. <laughs> last last ten percent just. Off a cliff into four stars. For For me, it was kind of the opposite. I actually thought that the first hundred pages, or first couple hundred pages, two to three hundred range, were the worst two to three hundred initial pages of the three books. Um, I was really into the uh, Kenneth Wintrow stuff. Um, Like the Bingtown stuff was just okay to me. Malta's whole situation. Spoiler free, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was mostly spoiler free. But yeah, so <laughs> there's some names so, there. Names are never spoiler free in a Hobbs sequel. I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, that was my point anyway. All right. Well, nothing under four stars. It looks like Correct. Um, it's good average for all of us. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, I think what we're going to start with, it's probably the most dynamic part of the book. I don't know if dynamic's the right word for it. Uh, most controversial. It's what everyone kind of talks about. Chapter 26, and this is this is kind of the sequence where um, Kenneth, I guess, uh, maybe I'll put a spoiler or a warning for, like a trigger warning, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to put it without just saying it. So Content, content warning. Content warning. If, you know, this is kind of graphic stuff we're going to be talking about. So, you know, Al- Althea is captured by Kenneth, and she's drugged, and she's raped. And I think that was kind of the turning point for, um, honestly, the character of Kenneth, which is weird to say, I think. Uh, but for me, that sequence, I think Huron fan on Discord said it was the third worst rape he's ever read. I haven't read Mel's and, but that was the worst for me. That was one of the most uh, traumatizing things I've ever read in, like, as a fiction story. Malazan has worse. Malazan has worse. I'll take your yep. word for it. Um, <laughs> but at least with me, I think in that scene that you kind of get both POVs. I know you definitely get Althea's and I think you also get Kenneth's. Uh, it switches to, and it was, yeah. um, I don't know. It, I, I really can't describe it. I had to put the book down after that chapter. I had to take a break and it's weird in those situations. Like I'm, I'm blessed at least. No, I don't think anyone in my life has, you know, been, had this kind of thing happen to them. I, I hope not. I've never known. But in these situations, whenever I see a movie or, or read things like that, I always think of like a family, this happening to a family member. And in this case, for me, I was like totally um, in pain for Althea. I wasn't seeing Althea as, which is a great, which is credit to Ro- uh, Robin Hobb, but it kind of just broke me. 
and uh, I just I don't know how what was Sean what was your um, thoughts with that scene what it you know what it made you think about Kenneth if, if you were ever on the fence on him before that well <clears throat> I have my notes up and my first note in chapter 26 was just all right Kenneth needs to die now um, <laughs> yep. so really I mean up until that point I was like I guess a little torn. I don't know. I, I don't remember the specifics of before that chapter because it's been a little bit. But um, yeah, th- that chapter was the point of no return for me with Kenneth's character. Well, the the, po- the point of no return for him within the series having anything good happen to him. Like I, I just wanted him to either die or get his comeuppance in some form. I still love his character because I think it was genius in so many ways, um, which we'll get into. Um but yeah maybe very sad i hated him because of that um the mental gymnastics surrounding like his reasoning and his desire for that act was intense but also like i said pretty genius on hobbs part to kind of just have that characterization going for sure kip did it uh break you as well I think that this was the moment, or one of the moments at least, that the entire world kind of pivoted on. Because I had, the from Ship of Magic, when you first met, meet Kenneth, you know he is a horrible person, and you know he's manipulative, and you know that he only is trying to look out for himself. And he will break any rule or any taboo that prohibits him from doing that and then over the course of that book and then going into mad ship you see him do a lot of good and he frees up slaves he effectively establishes a new nation which is the only nation in that area for freed peoples and then he ruins it. He ruins it all. And I think the like karmic system of this world, the destiny system of this world, recognizes that. And from that point on, he has confirmed by his own actions his role as the villain of the story. And it could have been almost anyone else up until that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think I differ with you two where I always thought, I don't know if it's based on the reread, but I always saw him as the villain. And I think Cobb did, I think the best thing she did in this book was kind of gloss over kind of how evil he is. Now, obviously I'm going to say, just stuff you know before the rape because like obviously i could say well you know he drowned he killed his whole old crew and drowned paragon but we didn't know that as a reader before that so i'm not really going to use that but you know but also he he was terrible to um etta throughout the book (laughs) when he she saved his life he curses her you know he treats her like garbage for saving his life i mean there's little i I, i'm not trying to compare you know slave slaves to that but but like n- n- that's throughout, yeah. That's like a semi-common storyline on medical dramas about amputees. So I kind of brush it off. 
Well, I don't know the whole, the whole amputee history for <laughs> metal. I'm just saying, it's a thing I see in Grey's Anatomy, and I was like, oh yeah, this, it's happening again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even, yeah, I get it. They're just, I think some of the things that he does to, I mean, obviously you could say murder. He, you know, he kills people. It's obviously like that guy who was on Ingrat's old ship. But I, I think like those things we just gloss over. It's like, ah, it's not a big deal. But it's like that dude, he was a villain. It's like, you know, he was still an evil dude. He it, he did bad things. He wasn't yes. the villain yet. And I think, to your point, I think definitely in the first book, he wasn't the villain yet because we had someone on another ship who was just horrendous. And I think Hobb was kind of <laughs> using Kyle yep. as a little cover to, you know, obviously when you compare Kyle to Kenneth uh, in that book, you're like, oh yeah, come on. This guy is much cleaner <laughs> um, as a ship captain and everything. But I I really do. I, I think a lot of people reading the reactions that people were shocked. People were like, I cannot believe Kenneth did this or I cannot or, or you know, I, either or. They're like exactly what Sean's kind of um, instinct was like he needs to die now. And my se- I definitely was like that my first read through, too. I, I felt like an idiot afterwards i'm like how could have i even like had hope for this guy like i really i felt like an idiot but this read through i was definitely looking at different things and what he would do to wintrow psychologically um but i also think this come comes into play the intent versus action conversation with him and like you can't pretend that this is a universe this is a world that doesn't that like works by blind random chance no this is this is a universe with a design this is a universe with a purpose and one that rewards and punishes people based on some very complicated formulas and kenneth was being pulled into this position of power as this pirate king as this leader of men and of freed people and as long as he kept to that, as long as he lived up to those ideals and managed not to screw it up, like his uh, like his charm kept warning him, then he would be on a nice glide path towards like happy retirement. Would he have had that point. ambition though, without his past, without all the pain that was inflicted upon him? Probably not. See, that's that's the thing though. Because exactly. his past pain and trauma really gives him a bit of a pass for some of the things he did early on. Mm-hmm. I Yeah. Well, I was going to say, but, is he sympathetic because of his past? Do you find him sympathetic because of his past? Oh, he's absolutely sympathetic. That's irrespective of whether he's a villain, whether he's bad, whether he's evil. Sure. He's very sympathetic. Um. But I don't think a lot. I don't think as many people who are like I feel betrayed by Kenneth view sympathy for a character as existing separate from them being a good or bad person. See, I thought I feel like his like what Sean said, his past trauma. I feel like that plays more into his destiny than anything. I think it was inevitable that he was going to do what he did because of that past trauma and what Igrat did to him. I think he had a choice. I think he had a choice there. Uh, his charm certainly thought he did. Vivacia thought he did. Or whoever Vivacia was at that point thought he did. 
I don't know if his uh, charm did. I, I, his charm, the whole story was telling him he was going to fall on his face, and it was only a matter of time because he – I really – I feel, the way I looked at what happened was – and this is kind of a constant in this book – was the passing on of pain. We find that he does it to Paragon, and essentially that's what he does to Althea. He passes that pain yep. that Igra came to him. He passed it on to Althea. But and, do you think Althea is going to pass it on to a child? I, I think that's one of the... Because if you think that if it's a never-ending cycle that can't be broken, then she has to. She has to rape a child at some point. Do you think that's going to happen? Didn't she already pass it on to Paragon? Didn't Do you Paragon think Paragon's going her? to rape a child? No. <laughs> well, she... <laughs> <laughs> like, she... Well, I mean, I guess Kenneth gave Paragon his pain, and he ended up doing that anyway, so I guess my point doesn't, doesn't stand there. Yeah, I was thinking of that too yeah. because Kenneth gave that same pain technically to Paragon. Um, but he, whether it's, I think the point was that she's still going to, I mean, that's the biggest thing to take away from this rape, that it affected not just that moment. Other people were affected. Althea's future was affected with her relationship with Brashen and her what it does to her. And that was kind of like you could tell afterwards until that um, rainstorm scene with Paragon that she was just, she was not the same. Everyone could feel it. Obviously, how can you be? Obviously. Um, but it altered her relationship with everything. I don't know if she's going to, you know, I'll, I'll bring up a quote real quick. So I have it up here. And I think this explains, um, it helps with uh, what we're talking about. This is what, um, what's uh, Althea's mom's name? Ronica? Yeah. And she, remember that scene where she talks to Cirilla and she says like, that's the challenge companion to take what has happened to you and learn from it. And nothing is quite so destructive as uh, self-pity. No event in life is so terrible that one cannot rise above it. Kenneth could not rise above it for what happened to him. And I, yep. am, so I think Althea could. And, you know, she has a strong lineage. Not that it has play, anything to play into it. But I think that quote directly, because that same thing happened to Cirilla and you saw what it did to her. She didn't rape anyone, yep. but she definitely used what happened to her to be abusive to people in Bingtown. Kenneth didn't have any true confidants. None. He had no one he could talk to anything about. He had to be just a man on his own. And he didn't allow himself any. That's deeply yeah, toxic. He, he killed them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he sunk them to the bottom of the sh uh, ocean. Oh yeah, he was. He was food. like, "Wait, oh, I'm gonna have to kill Sorkor. He knows too much now. Like, yeah, I'm gonna have to kill Edda. She knows too much now. I'm gonna have to kill Wintro. He knows too much now. Yeah, anyone who got too close to Kennet was a threat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mirror that to Althea, who she tells Brashen that was a huge step for her to tell Brashen yep. this is what happened. This is the truth. She did not hide from that pain. She eventually let it out. That's what I think. Ev that's eventually. What I <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, it definitely took her some time, but you know, um, I don't. I, it wasn't interesting. Um, I think we'll dive into this about the other characters, but with Brashen, when she does tell him, his first instinct was to say, "I'll kill him." How could he do this? And then, but then, like immediately says, <laughs> "I'm so sorry, I didn't like see it," or you know, it's. But his first snap instinct was kind of selfish that he was wrong by kind of doing it, but then it went into you know. Yep sympathy for Althea, which I thought was a nice touch, which is, you know, it's all too real. Um, look, look, but both Brashen and Grag have problems, but I'm still going to take Grag. How <laughs> oh, dare you? My God. We'll get into that later. We'll definitely. Um, 
Actually, I, I'm reading this book. I will say real quick. I kind of liked Greg at that. I forgot that he had more to play in it. And I was like, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good yeah. guy. It worked I mean, out. Garg. I mean, <laughs> if, if it I means that it? I have to end up with Ophelia, maybe not, but. <laughs> um, so one thing, I, another thing I wanted to talk about in regards to uh, the horrendous rape, uh, something that stuck out to me was what it did to everyone else around um, Althea. Uh, I, I think the worst part about this and what Hobb kind of pinpointed was the reactions from everyone else about the rape, uh, whether it was Vivacia oh. not believing Althea. Uh, one of the worst for me was Wintrow, and I promise I will have more to say about that. Uh, even Etta, who did realize it, but still was no comfort. To, uh, Jack even was kind of like, well, you know, I think... This Jack was, was the, the worst for me. Okay. It, well, this was the worst part about maybe not. I thought this was the worst part of the rape for me. Uh, that hurt me the most. Just reading everyone else. Mm. And, uh, can you imagine how lonely Althea we read it in that moment? And how low. It was it frustrating. Was, it was brutal. Yeah. It was oh, yeah. Terrible. And Althea already has please. this mentality that like no one's going to believe her about her sex life because she's had that ever since she got raped that first time. Yeah. Yes, all goes back to that, and what her sister kind of shamed her into it, and, and even Wintrow had Wintrow was judgmental. I wrote this in the notes about her and Brashen being together when he first sees them Wint together. Wintrow is judgmental about everything. Oh, we're gonna talk about it. Oh, I can't wait. So, but I, I thought that was like in other books. I don't think that aspect is explored in rapes. Not that you know rapes should be explored, but when they do have rape yeah. sequences, this part was usually always left out. It's always, you know, a revenge, you know, getting revenge or whatever. And it was just, it, you know, it was heartbreaking to see every other person's kind of shrug it off or kind of make excuses saying, oh, just, you know, the typical, are you sure you didn't dream it? Which is just awful. Yeah. I just found the quote uh, by the charm at his wrist right after the rape. And it says, you've crossed the line. What made you do it, Kenneth? Was that the only way to banish the memories finally by giving them to someone else? I uh I like needed the charm for the the chapter twenty six on, because he was like really just well the charm it was really explaining to me a lot of Kenneth's mindset and I don't know if I would have picked up at all without that explanation so I was thankful for the charm toward the end of this book. You think the charm explains Kenneth's mindset? A bit yeah. Okay. He's a bit he's a little bit like a conscience that Kenneth doesn't yeah. listen to. I was yeah. going to say, like, a moral compass that, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly, Kenneth just ignores or just puts it in the back of his head to worry about another day. Low-key yeah, great character, though. A, res a resentful conscience. <laughs> right. Well, that was one, I guess, that was one question someone had that, um, I think it was Cody on the Discord, was wondering, is the charm real or just a figment of Kenneth's imagination? And The charm is real because Edda hears it. Yes, exactly. I was, I read up on that and I was like, cause all the nice things that Etta heard coming from Kenneth was all the charm in his voice. Yep. So, again, Kenneth treats her like crap. So, um, yeah, I don't, not sure what else to say about this other than, you know, I think this was the linchpin in this series. It's just like you said, the tipping point, so to speak for Kenneth oh, yeah. and what, and you know, so it could be argued with a huge cast of characters. He's the main character of the series. Or, uh, yeah, this trilogy. Um, and, you know, I guess we'll ask 
answer one of Huron's questions now. He said, why is Kenneth the best and worst character? Kenneth's the one with the most personal power in the series. Mm. He's the one person who commands the largest fleet of ships and has made the largest impact on like the socio-political organization of that area of the world. Yeah, makes makes him fun to follow for sure. Yeah. His his psychology notwithstanding. His personal decisions changed so much just based on the amount of military power that he had to bear. And yeah. so you can argue him as primary from that standpoint. Like the satrap clearly didn't command his own military. Oh jeez. He didn't <laughs> command anything. <laughs> the big town traders, they can barely agree on anything. Uh, the Rainwild traders, they don't even have any ships. So, I want to get to Era's question then, because I think there's a lot of juice in it. His question had to do about, do you judge someone on their intent or their actions? And um, how does it pertain to characters in the story? And I think the biggest one he's talking about is obviously Kenneth, because... Like you guys pointed out, his actions, a lot of it was pretty groundbreaking. And I mean, like you said, the slaves, Divi Town's a functioning town. I mean, a healthy functioning town. Uh, you know, you could argue he turned Wintrow into a, a leader. There's just a lot of things. Yeah. But his, his intent, we all know as a reader, is hard because we know that as a reader. I don't think his intent is horrible. I think his his intent is self-protection. Or selfish, I'd say. It's selfish. It's selfish as, as all get out. But I don't think he... He doesn't have an evil intent. He just has a very personal intent. And it's it's hmm. traumatized. It's hurt. It's broken. It's responding to pain from decades ago. But his goal isn't like, I want to destroy everything his goal isn't i want to like enslave this group of people his goal isn't i i want to like torture and punish people for fun true yeah self self-protection is a good point um because everything could come down arguably to self-protection he just wants to protect his secret and he'll do anything at selfish or whatever at cost to protect and i guess his mission was to become bigger than igrat you know more power Yep. He couldn't become what he said he was. Igras said he was a pirate king, but Kenneth always said not really, and he wanted to kind of surpass. I mean, it all comes back to that trauma that happened to him. That's, you know. But I guess you're right. Be I guess better than the person who hurt you. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you're more powerful than that person, and that was the most powerful person that you could imagine, then you won't be hurt again because you're yeah. above that point. You're above anyone that could possibly even want to hurt you. Now, right. do you think that's just exactly. genius on Hobbes' part? He was better than Igrot. We can give him that, at least. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah and it's a great point. More powerful. And I think more powerful in the sense that, you know, obviously more powerful as him as a pirate king and everything like that, but also as power. I mean, rape is about power. People do that to show power over someone. You know, it's not a sexual desire. It's making them powerless. And I think Cirilla... That's the point about Cirilla, how she never wanted to be powerless again. That's why she does everything in Big yep. Town. It's the same with with um, Kenneth. He never wants to be powerless again in that situation. 
And so he, he takes out anyone that ever knew that he was powerless and reinvents himself. And he wants to be better than Ingrat, but like the charm says, he just eventually, whether it's destiny or because past trauma will lead this down this path, you, beca- you became Ingrat. Yeah, you know? not better, not worse, just the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, still, I still would like to make the argument that a lot of his actions are kind of... I just feel like a lot, some people were saying that his actions pre the rape were like he was all great. Where like sending, you could argue, sending Kyle, I said this last episode, sending Kyle to an island that where you have no, you're in darkness for, that is like an, a bad evil action. Whether, whatever we think <laughs> of Kyle, which I think very lowly of him, like that's evil. I, that's not, you know, that's an yep. evil action he took. I, I would argue he mo- this one's tougher to kind of argue. Would you rather he do that or he kill Kyle? His intentions were good. He was trying to do something for Wintro. Yeah, but he was trying to do something for Wintro. He says that, but I don't. I don't agree. I don't agree with that. I think it was. I think his action, but the action was that he was sending he, him off. And he it, and it opened definitely... up a potential liability in showing the location of Key and Keyhole Island to other people. Uh, in mm-hmm. order to save Wintro the pain of having a dead father. But we remember that chapter, it didn't save Wintro from anything because it just mentally <laughs> tore him apart because he didn't know what happened to his father. He didn't know if he could trust. But again, that's getting away from intent and action a little bit. But I still think it, it let his it, it, actions. Yeah. You, you got to go down to like axioms at that point. You gotta yeah. be like, what def- what defines good and what defines evil and what defines good intentions and evil intentions. Well, it's t- I think that's one of the biggest <laughs> points that she was trying to make in this series with Kenneth. I, re- I really think she was trying to tear the reader on what they thought about him with intents and actions and good and evil and things like that. I mean, it's it's tough, and especially with Winter. I think their relationship I – ca- I was thinking about it all yesterday when we were on the Discord and they were talking about it, you know, because Winter's reaction to Althea being raped, I think – I mean, he – he totally took Kenneth's side. Even when he believed, when he saw Etta believe, you know, that it happened, he still would not condemn Kenneth. And I think that's all from what Kenneth did to him all throughout the series. Now you could argue that wasn't Kenneth's intent to have him on his side when he did something terrible, but I mean, it was, think, it was yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> Loyalty. But I think that, yeah, exactly. So it's selfish actions. Oh yeah, I, no. I just, Kenneth was a master gaslighter, and he yes, broke people word. down and built them back up so that they were loyal to him. I actually think it stunted Winter's development. Even, and it's also you got to remember he's so young. But I think those are all qualities of a, a villain to my in my mind. And I in this read through, I was noticing it. I might be stretching it, but I, I still think I don't know. I've I just have a hard time believing that the rape was what like. So clearly, maybe he's the villain of the series, but into villain. <laughs> like, if there was a shade of villain and hero, or, you know, that it pushed him over. I think he was firmly in there before that. Until he performed that rape, he hadn't done anything irretrievably bad against any of our major protagonists. I would agree. I mean, I think the true villain is the themes of the series with uh toxic masculinity these these power developments or the the relationship of power um and a whole bunch of others um and he's the vehicle for the worst of that 
and like the worst developments of how those things can take place in a person. What happens when so-called civilized society doesn't have room for people who have displayed weakness? Mm-hmm. Sure. What happens to people without power in Bingtown? What happens to them in Jamila? What happens to them in Chalced? What happens to them in the Rainwilds, even? Rainwild seems the best of the bunch, but like... <laughs> They die slowly. Is what happens to them in the rain. <laughs> um, yeah. So, did you guys? Do, oh, yeah. I did want to ask this. So, this is interesting. What is Kenneth's legacy? In the very first chapter, we read with him. He's at the other's island, and he asks them, "Am I gonna?" He kind of says, "Do I get my?" wish or am i going to fulfill is my destiny going to come true something like that and they say yes and he stumps away happy so what is what do you, sean what do you think his legacy is not as not as readers like in the hob community in this world you know mm-hmm. what's his legacy i think the legacy that he was asking about was to become pirate king um which he essentially was Yep. Uh, so I, th- I think the others gave him a pretty straight answer there. Um, if Good you want to, yeah. If you want to talk about a, a, a legacy post death slash post his that main goal, um, you know, you could you could talk about the the lasting effect it have on the whole trader area. You can talk about his son, but um, I mean, I think his destiny was just him becoming pirate king at least for a little bit yeah you touched on it what i i was thinking and kip if you agree with this i think he his legacy is one of maybe one of the biggest heroes in the realm of the elderlings yeah yeah from people that don't even people that know him but aside from maybe althea and brash and a few others he's a hero i mean he really what he does with uh, the satrap. The common folk. He's a hero. The, yeah. The common folk definitely, mm-hmm. but even the satrap in Malta, um, creating an alliance with the pirate, which would all started with him. I mean, yep. just look. I don't the, think the satrap thinks anyone except him is a hero. Well, he definitely thinks it. But on the broader scale, regular people <laughs> in that world, they're going to be like, oh, satrap. I mean, people in that world probably think the satrap's a great person. So that, but that's mm-hmm. his legacy. Is that he <laughs> do they? <laughs> <laughs> Again, not the people that maybe know him or the Chelsea yeah. that don't respect him, but as the overall population, like he would be looked at as a, a massive figure in this world for what he's done. The satrap? The, no, 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 Kenneth. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, Kenneth. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no Kenneth. And I think that was—I really think it's a tough pill for people to swallow. I think it's incredibly realistic uh, to the real world. But he, his ending is like. A, a fairy tale ending. He goes out dying by saving the satrap. Yeah. But whether that was selfishly or not, he looks is looked upon as a hero. And I just, I think Hobb was trying to say something by that, even showing us him crossing the line into that full evil territory, and then giving him this kind of even. I think Althea said something that made her sick. That this is how he, you know, people think of him on a high note. I think the line that she's trying to draw there is that there's a lot of powerful people in history who are probably rapists and they don't get remembered that way. Definitely. A hundred percent rapists <laughs> or back to any just terrible people, I would say on a personal, <laughs> on a yep. personal level. But 
you know, are colored by doing a lot of good. And technically, if you just look on the surface, a lot of good, like you said, intent and action came from technically this kind of, um, I thought that was a really interesting idea of legacy and how, how you look, how history will look back on someone. I do think that his son is also a big part of the social structure and just the future of this world. Um, I don't know how yet, but I think it's part of the reason why Amber needed to find Wintro. I mean, I think Wintro is Kenneth's legacy also. Yeah. Yeah. And un- undeserved, maybe. Uh, maybe a little poisoned, but like, Wintro is Kenneth's legacy. He is the successor, He and and so is Edda. Exactly. I would argue Ed, I would argue Edda definitely is the successor. The parents yeah. Um, well, even on a personal level, his legacy, I would, with Etta, one thing that stuck out I, reading this time when she asked Paragon, did, did Kenneth truly love me? And Paragon just lies. Paragon just lies. And so in her mind, the legacy is good, that Kenneth truly did love her. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he gave, he also gave like a very Paragon, a very, Etta's smart. Etta's very smart. And as much as he could have, like. What were the exact wording? Uh, it was a great chapter. I, I'd have to look it up, but um, he, he danced around his, his. He used his words wisely. I would, uh, I would say, yep. in that regard. Um, but I, you know, it's just, it's interesting that, you know, even with people that knew him closest, so to speak, it's a, a faulty legacy he leaves behind. Positive, but <laughs> again, totally untrue to how it actually was yeah i will say sean how did you um how did you like kind of realizing everything that happened with paragon and kennet and that backstory for me i that was kind of the more emotional aspects for me especially when kennet first kind of sunk him and met him for the first time uh or the first time in a while Mm. I thought that really paid off because there was breadcrumbs throughout the series that these two had history together. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think it really just showed how deeply rooted his backstory is into like that that results in all of his actions in the series. Um, I think that context just made it for some good character work, made for some good reading. Um, I think it was pretty genius to, to loop that into his character on Hop's part. Um, although, I do think that, it's a slightly related, I suppose, but I didn't love his send-off. I, I liked his send-off, but, I mean, I, yeah. I I didn't like his send-off, but after talking with you guys, I'm kind of liking it more, because it fits into the whole, it fits into his character, because he's remembered as the hero, and he got a great send-off, and he didn't deserve it. Like at first, I, I was just I was unsatisfied because of that, but now it honestly all makes sense to me now. That's what I expect from Hob. Mm-hmm. I expect the villain to get a great send off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say I put this on here while we're on. I'm glad you talked about kind of his end. So Hob has a thing where she she doesn't like comeuppance. You know, uh, in the first with Regal, or at least comeuppance Ugh. by the hero's hand. I mean, Fitz never real. really got. Fitz, I mean, spoilers for this trilogy, but Fitz never really got revenge himself on Regal. You could argue that little 
what was it a ferret or something kind of did who was bonded but that's a minor yeah. character getting it in this one Kenneth doesn't get come up it's from althea brashen he just he goes out dying by saving the satrap and the worst one satrap doesn't get his comeuppance either who the satrap doesn't get his comeuppance either really yeah but he lives he emerges stronger than ever yeah i know yeah yeah. (laughs) but the big the worst one and this i had uh, this is probably my least favorite part of the book with kyle i mean uh, the biggest (laughs) i think this was the worst decision by hob but just a random arrow takes him out all we've been through with this guy and not even that i wanted him dead I, the biggest mistake I think she made in this book that I wanted closure on, I wanted his family to have to face him again for what, how they've mm-hmm. changed. I wanted Kefra to have to face him after this. I wanted uh, um, I didn't. Malta. I really did I think that I really did. I, I don't think she did either, and I think that's why a random arrow <laughs> took him out. Um, but I that left me cold where I was like, man, the guy, the guy, first of all, never changed throughout the whole book. Only guy who's same <laughs> book one to the Respect. last. Respect. Yeah, hey, stuck to his guns. <laughs> but I, I do see a theme, and this also happens in the next trilogy. No spoilers. Uh, sorry, Kip. But I'm not going to say about who. But there's something similar like this lack of comeuppance. <laughs> um, I forgot it was a random arrow. That's actually hilarious. It I was a random forgot. arrow, right? It wasn't... Yeah. Maybe. I, no. I don't remember. I don't remember at all. But it sounds right. It, it, it was a random arrow. Didn't he, like, jump in front of someone jumped in front of him to save him or something like that. Well, I think it was like aimed at Althea or something. And then like, he, yeah. he got, he was making like noise out in the deck, like complaining and kind of hooting and hollering. And then they're like, Oh, we'll just hit this. If he'd it. been under, under deck, he would have been fine. Or right, if he just, that's where he was. it's his own damn fault. How did he get off the Island again? Oh, come on. Uh, they Paragon, brought him with mama Ludluck. Right, yeah, okay, Paragon's like, like, I know, I know the heart of Kenneth or something like that. And they went to the Island. Oh yeah, of course. Of they, course. Who mom. is unnamed, by the way. Mama Ludluck is unnamed. Mm-hmm. Another evil thing. The man just leaves his mother on an island. Uh, who no, knows how long? Got... No tongue. <laughs> yeah. I mean decades. Wow. <laughs> Kenneth also just <laughs> got killed randomly. Also, like, Kenneth gets stabbed by some no-name soldier. No, some no-name pirate, I mean. And then the yeah. whole Paragon thing happens, which is like his true death, I suppose. But... See that that that's why I think there's like capital D destiny in this world, and that it's enacted through the world, not necessarily just the people in it. Mm. But like, sometimes the world just says no, we need this to happen, and so it does. Yeah, I mean, the fool is kind of proof of that, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. They talk about destiny. Um, I mean, the the fool is convinced that they can't change anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I. I like the quote at the end that Paragon kind of kind of says that humans have little impact on the world. He tells Amber, and Amber is just like, you know, oh ship, was that meant to be comforting? (laughs) 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 But that was a night that was kind of sweet. Yeah, you have to mention though the specific part of so Winter would not be a priest. It is probably no more significant than if a man who was meant to be a king became a philosopher or recluse instead. Yeah, it's, it's a little too on the nose, but I'm like, <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> oh, Fitz. <laughs> yeah. How did we like uh, her carving Fitz into Paragon's face? I think that's when I finally realized, like, hey, is this the fool? I was <laughs> like an idiot. I, I didn't call that she was going to do that, uh, but I thought it was going to be a young Paragon. 
thought it was going to be oh, like a young Kenneth carving that was under there. <laughs> that was a really cool moment, though, for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I can't help but think that Fitz is going to come upon this ship at some point now. <laughs> Looks a little familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like someone is going to tell him a story of this ship that has a striking resemblance to him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely really interested in possible crossover character meets later in the series. No Can comment. we talk a little bit about the memory transfer? I'd love to. Yeah. Start it up. Okay. You mean about so Kenneth going any in general or Kenneth going into Paragon specifically? Kenneth Kenneth giving his memories of trauma to Paragon and consigning Paragon to the depths with them. Because we haven't really talked about that yet. So it's similar to uh, Assassin's Quest with them revitalizing the dragons. And it's similar to just the transfer. It's similar to the creation of these dragons. I get get the, like, mechanism, and I'm totally fine Uh with that. But I'm, I'm talking about, like, what impacts it has on his character and agency that he's no longer completely mentally whole and that he did this to himself i see i see so i I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about um althea and and kenneth which we've really only talked about kenneth which is okay but um like she technically does althea that is technically does give paragon the pain of the rape so i think the pain is given away but she obviously retains the memories i think she they obviously retain the trauma, which is why, and I think that's different, the trauma versus pain, which is why Kenneth, despite having having given the pain of his childhood to Paragon in the past, um, his the trauma of it still came up within his actions. That's how I interpret it, at least. Hmm. Like you don't, there's not really that visceral emotional response, but psychologically, maybe. It still drives them, which is probably like a, a gray line there. Okay. And you kind of have to like suspend a bit of disbelief. I mean, I don't, it's not suspending disbelief exactly, but I'm, I'm just trying to fit it into like the mechanisms of psychology that I know, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so I see Kenneth as essentially repressing these memories giving a portion of it to paragon and it seems like he's also given explicit memories the like the exact memory of the events but parts of those keep infiltrating them their way back into his consciousness he he occasionally has these flashback images he has these feelings of his heart racing like the but occasionally he has more than just the implicit associations of uh, like emotional trauma and pain. He has, and so I'm trying to figure out exactly which portions that he gave to uh, Paragon. Mm-hmm. So he, <clears throat> I know what you're saying. The implicit parts keeps popping up in his actions or his inner monologue. Like they're whether yeah. he knows it or not, and what did he give away? So, yeah, that, it's it's tough. I was think I was more thinking like, how does this 
what is she saying about real life? You cannot give people your memories in real life. You know what I mean? So you're always going to be stuck. You, you can actually take a drug that uh, when you go through memories again, it removes some of the uh, trauma response from them. It's it's a it's a beta That's blocker. That's not real. No, it's a beta blocker, <laughs> and when you re when you relive the memories, you no longer have that uh, the heart racing, the blood pressure rising, uh, those physiological responses which reinforce the memory usually. But if you experience the memory without those physiological responses, it actually serves to lessen the uh, the trauma. That's kind of and what you, I was saying. And yeah, and you can rebuild your your uh, explicit memories of the event, or you can recall them without suffering so much from your implicit memories of the event. And I think you can like, uh, I think you can do that and still be have have your psychological mindset affected by that trauma without feeling yep. pain in the moment and like your actions are guided by the facts the fact that you know what has happened to you and how you react to that like you, you can still Kenneth can still have that power struggle within himself and want to be above others because he knows what happened to him and he, and he knows how life can be without actually kind of feeling that that heart racing and whatnot at every moment so I, th I think that that's kind of where the, the the dance between the two is I'm just wondering if he if he helped himself with that or if he retarded his long-term healing with that yes I think he never dealt with his trauma I think he gave the explicit memory to Paragon but I think the implicit one was always factoring in until eventually, eventually the explicit memory came back, even in little jumps. It would like little scenes. He'd get little flashes of it coming back and like remembering what happened because he never dealt with the trauma initially. He just tried to bury it. And I and I'd like I'd like to like wonder about how much of that was based on a his charm that was insulating him from the effects of harmful magic. And B, his resurrection on Vivacia by Wintrow, mm. when their soul, when their souls merged, and maybe something fell out of place in That's the a... old stuff that he and Paragon did. Sorry, but that I, I my second read through. I, that's the second time he's been revived. He was revived. Paragon revived him as a he kid. He was revived by Paragon. Yep. First. So that's another, and you know, so that's that I mean, has he's... effects on you. I think well, I think he's clearly not a whole person. I think that's what they were getting at. Whether giving the memories away, having to be revived, I yep. think takes out of you. And I think this is him become, you know, they said becoming whole, you know, as Paragon was. Someone I, I saw like in some discussion threads, they were saying he's like practically a forged. Cut <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was. I, I mean, I it's, he's not far off from that. Like he he's a forged without the negative intent. Right. Well, he has like forged have has forged people have a specific intent of like staying alive i guess it's been a while and his intent is just like the sole ambition is is to keep this person this specific person kenneth ludluck alive yeah <laughs> um but i do think that's he made the wrong decision i do think paragon shouldn't have offered that although i don't blame him in the moment like i think giving away of these memories giving away your pain uh has Hobbes 
shown it to be the wrong decision. I think it was the wrong decision. Um, I agree. I was upset with Althea that she ended up doing that. Well, I was more so upset with Hob for for writing Althea to do that because I, I think that would have been a good character moment for her to kind of like work through it themselves. And I, I don't know. That was one thing that so what's, me. So what was she trying to say with that? Because I've been thinking about that all day yesterday and today. So she... Althea did the same exact thing with Paragon. Paragon insisted. Like, I was trying to think, what's the difference? Like, Kip kind of alluded to. What, what, is she going to be like, um, is she going to no, be like Kenneth? And So, I again, I like I said, I assume it's because she's dealing with it by telling other people and having people she loves, letting them in on this secret, whereas he didn't. I assume that's a difference. But, I again, I, I, I'm trying to think what her point was with that and Paragon taking that that pain from her because it was the pain not the memory like you said she still yeah. has it like a, yep. a thing but it's the, the pain. implicit pain so she can move on with the life but like we can't do that in the real world like you said sean we can't give well, unless you have this awesome drug but you can't give pain to people <laughs> to take so you can live your life you have it's a to, real like... drug nope <laughs> i know <sorry. laughs> but now I, I was very angry about that just because like i feel like she, you one could argue that the crux of kenneth's character is Hobbes saying you need to feel your pain you need to process your emotions you need to go through whatever you need to go through you need to have it become part of your person there's multiple quotes here that kind of support that fact um ronica talking about self-pity um and there's also the one about deciding what path you follow depending on what happens to you so i feel like she was she like one could argue her thesis statement is that. And then she has Althea just reject that. Like that could have tied in perfectly with a thesis statement. She could have been different. It would have been a beautiful moment. Instead, it, it just kind of, it really fell flat for me, for me. You know what I would have loved as an epilogue? A moment 15 years down the line where Althea brings back those memories, that pain from Paragon, re-experiences it and releases him from that burden. Like that'd be great. Maybe she wasn't ready for it then, but maybe she could fix it eventually. You say you're mad at Althea. I was mad at Paragon. He was the one that was well, yeah, brought Paragon her out to that ship. I'm um, mad at Paragon of... too. I, I, yeah, I'm I mad said, at both of them. I was more so mad at Hob for writing it that way because I think yeah, that was right. just not like it wasn't. It, it wasn't concise and satisfying, but yeah, more so Paragon. I I, I don't blame Althea at all. I won't be mad at, at Hob for making that kind of decision because she just doesn't let her characters be happy and make right decisions. But if we ever... <laughs> that was the right she... decision and it would make her less happy. She could have gave us that. If she ever listens to this podcast and wants to talk to us, that'd be the first question I would ask oh, her. Oh, that'd be like, amazing. The me- no. Because I, I, well, I, I, I'm not so much mad, as you said. I'm just, I want to know what... Like, uh, not the point, but what it meant. Like, why, you know? Maybe that pain is truly just such, like, a little drop in the bucket to Paragon, and he barely even notices it. Hey, you talk about trauma in this series. Uh, you could argue he's victim number one, what he's gone through in this. Yeah. He probably forgot it all immediately. Miss Mister <laughs> has a boat who has tried to commit suicide multiple times. <laughs> That was heart wrenching. That when he and and it's know, it's not even like murder suicide. It's like massacre suicide every time he does it. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, okay, should we? I got I got a lot more notes, but you want to jump into some uh, questions from Discord? Yeah, we also have to talk about 
anything that's not that doesn't take place on the boat from chapter 26 <laughs> on. We well, haven't left that boat. It's, it's, <laughs> that's true, I guess. So, but yeah, it, it's just we'll such go. a big, it's just such a big, uh, big thing. All right, we'll go with Cody's question first to mix it up. I, hopefully, we don't go right back to Kenneth. All right, we will. Cody asks. Thinking of who they started out as versus who they ended as, which character have your opinions changed the most about? Was there someone you loved but ended up hating, or vice versa? All every single character. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh, Kyle. <laughs> POV character. I'm sure. Oh yeah, they say POV. That's right. Um, I have one. If, if you guys need to think about it. Can, can this be where I pitch Malta as the main character of the trilogy? Oh, go! We—I mean, she need. I, I can't believe. I think we she's the main character of a different trilogy. Could be, but no. I mean, <laughs> well, I maybe I could say protagonist. I don't know, but I think, or even hero in a way. But sure, I think she has the most development. She goes through a full arc from like, uh, ignorant and selfish, and it's completely changed by the end. I think she goes through the most change. Um, she becomes out the other side a completely different person for the better. And I think that if you think of like the hero's journey, the hero's arc, like what a main character is in a story, I think she's the closest to that. Despite not re- being fully enveloped into the main plot at times. So my answer is Malta for that. Malta is the person who exhibits the most ability to let go of what is in the past and is not serving her in the present. Mm, love that. That's true. I thought um, I thought it was interesting pairing her with the satrap uh, because they kind of, in a way, mirror each other or what could have been. You know, I think, um, you know, the satrap is a victim of his kind of um, setting, so to speak. He even talks about his childhood and just he's always around yes men and things like that. Yep. And I think the same would have been with Malta if she sa- stayed in that same <sighs> Bing Town, babied by if, Kyle, but getting her out of Jane If her, her family circumst- had remained rich. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, by circumstance, I guess just to say, she's change or a change in environment. That's what I'm trying to get out. Her change in environment made her, allowed her to change into a better person and what it is. Whereas I feel also because she's younger, whereas a satrap, I feel like his environment up until that point, obviously, but he's, his environments as a Prince King the whole time has made him the spoiled baby that you see who doesn't, you know, doesn't take any, um, you know, who just can't survive on his own. Whereas Malta, I think the change in environment was the best thing that happened to her in, in the series. Uh, and that's why you had that growth. Whereas if she just stayed with Kyle and, like you said, going to balls, and she'd have a whole different life, and she'd be a whole different terrible person that she was in the first book. Now I really want like a scene six months where Althea recognizes that she's made a bad decision and takes her pain back. Maybe one day. Yeah, who knows? Uh. Um, so Kip, do you? Other than every character, do you have one specific character that? flip the switch or you hated and loved or now loved and hated um i mean we've talked about kennet uh ronica i guess wow that's a good answer um i was not a huge fan of her when she took the ship away from althea really wasn't 
Uh, I was a fan of her before that and quite a bit after that. But in that phase, no, not a fan at all. I had I had severe dislike. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's tough. That whole like side plot um, with Sean at the beginning kind of was a drag. The Binktown <laughs> stuff and you know Ronica kind of on her own with Cirilla and kind of getting everyone together. I mean, I did like the world building aspect of like the new traders and the, what are they? The three ship traders. Yeah. The, the three ship families. Uh, I thought the, the big town aspect was surprisingly weak, honestly. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, it's the weakest part of the book. I think. Yep. Um, for sure. And that, and Ronica kind of carried that. I think as she to did. It's semi readable. I thought the, uh, the interactions with Tintaglia carried it. With a bit of Ronica as well. Uh, that's a good point. God bless Tintaglia. It was surprising how uh, much could burn in the city, and yet it could still recover. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good answer. Those are two. I'm going to go on the opposite direction of what Cody asked. I'm going to go with someone I loved. I don't know if I'll say hated, but um, I think totally lost respect for him. And Sean called this out. I don't mean to go back to this kind of. Sh- I don't mind, mean to go back to the ship again. But Sean said this in the first episode where I said, I think the best character in the series is Wintrow. And Sean's like, maybe in this book, but not so much later. And I was like, I don't remember that. Reading this I did book. Kind of, I kind of hated Wintrow in this book. Me too. A hundred percent. I don't, yeah. don't want to go back to that rape. But what he did to Althea, the way he treated her was a. Honestly, I lost so much respect for him. I know he's young and I know he's impressionable, but it was brutal. I was like, this guy is, this kid is awful. How do he, even the biggest thing was even after Edda, he realized his aunt was raped and he still would make excuses or wouldn't act. I I lost so much respect for him. It was unbelievable. He lost all of his personal sense of direction. Right. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, what what was his direction? I mean, I, I like Solid. you said, he was gaslight. <laughs> Following Kennet. That's what yeah, it became. Yeah, that's what it was. Exactly what it became. And uh, again, that's why... Follow, I following kinda... Kennet and then lusting after Edda. Those were his two directions oh. in this book. Do not blame him for that. Edda is a very desirable woman. But still, I, it's just... I don't know. I, I, I was like taken aback how much I disliked him. After my first read-through, I remember being like, Paragon and Wentro. Those are my two... I loved reading about those guys. And now I'm like, man, he just, even coming out of it, he's, I guess he's a better leader, but, and he's going to try to be yeah. a father to Kenneth's son. That came out of nowhere, by the way, that he was a leader on the ship. Totally. I was like, how? Yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I could understand that he could run the ship reasonably well following Kenneth, but that people would look up to him and respect him following like a massive battle. I'd be like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It, you're right. It was yeah. a little hard to, uh, because we'd, we'd never seen him like giving orders to the crew at any other time right never yeah and it was just kind of like mild respect for him mostly just because kenneth yeah he was kenneth's priest not kenneth's like next in line right like edda i would that would be more believable if edda was the one who kind of took much more believable control. if edda was the one who took control much more believable even at like the bargaining table when they were bargaining with the satrap, like um, yep, 
Wintro was kind of taking command. I'm like, oh, what? Sorko would be like, no. Like, Ed is the one they all look up to. Yeah. I did like when um, Ed had told him that she said, I don't want to raise this child alone. And he answered, I promise you, you won't have to. That was a good moment. That was that was his only redeeming moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, over, honestly, overall, he's a good person, obviously. But I think that one instance, I think it shows a lot of about. I don't someone. know if he Again, is a good person anymore. Well, I think it really tainted him. What he with the Althea situation. Uh, you're right. I actually don't either. I don't know what I'm talking about. But and everything other than that, he like he didn't do anything bad. Like he has good intentions, as we said. But he's he's a coward. He's a punk. Like, I don't I don't know how else to say it. Like that was such a punk, just a punk move. You don't back up your family when she's saying I was raped. It's like, yep. And and Kenneth told him in that one scene, he's he snapped at Winter, said, you know, I Althea is mine. I, mean, I can do I can do as I want. It's like what I would. <laughs> what and you still that that's a confession, him? buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, he knew it. He knew it after at a you know. Yeah. Knew it. So I mean, I lost. I don't, know, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. He's making he's disgusting. <laughs> Wintro. Wintro was an abused child at that point. That's yeah. a, I, it, good, he good he one. he yeah. hadn't he hadn't fallen under Kyle, but he did fall under Kenneth. It's because Kyle used physical force. Yep, Ky- Kyle was was brutal and blunt and obvious about things. Kenneth was subtle and soft and manipulative, like the religion of Sa, maybe. Yes, I don't know enough about the religion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also don't know if Sa is real, <laughs> but the the meditation that he seems to perform those seem, sure seem real. Remember in like his first chapter in Ship of Magic, where that one that one like older priest was like, you know, once you get out on the boat, you you might find that you'll be changed as a person a bit. Yep. I mean, in yep. that moment, it's like, okay, this is obviously going to happen, but little do we <laughs> little do we know how true that would be. Didn't know L- little do we know that he's going to be a uh, a pirate captain. Yeah. <laughs> I did. One thing I noticed was was I don't know if this was intentional or intentional or not but so all of the chosen ones quote chosen ones in this book were all siblings wintro is the chosen pirate lord malta is apparently an elderling now and selden is like the dragon's right hand man chosen you know and that's all the the vestrit family which i thought intentional or, or not i don't know but i thought that was interesting speaking of uh people who acted over their age selden i mean that guy turned into like a 25 year old <laughs> Yeah, uh, he drowned in the memory. Assistant, that's true. I, well, I didn't catch that the first time when I first read through. I'm like, how, why is this kid acting like a, a middle aged man, like an assistant to Tintaglia? And then I, like you said, her memories kind of go into him. And um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty great how probably in Ship of Magic I would barely be able to tell you his name, and then Ship of Destiny, I, know. I was just like, <laughs> I love this guy, and like he was like the only voice of reason in Big Down for a while. At one point, he was like, he was telling Rain, like, why would Tintaglia lie about Malta? Like, she's too high and mighty to care about us. Like, that, that'd be such a pointless thing to lie about. And I was like, finally, a voice of reason here. Listen to this kid. <laughs> Plus, uh, I just love the whole mixing of dragon and human when it comes to uh, the relationship and what they can get from each other. I think that is hinting at a larger, a larger thesis statement for the realm of elderlings overall, which... You know, I was eating up, like when when Rain showed compassion to her, 
and gave her food when like he barely had any herself. But Tintaglia in return mm. has like the intellect and how like you know they, they need each other. So all all that stuff <laughs> I was a fan of in this book. I laughed so hard when I was reading Rain's internal monologue and he was about to attack a sea oh, cow. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was kind of, <laughs> that was probably like the best humor in that book. It reminded me of um, <laughs> the previous like I think it was the previous one or the one where uh Kenneth told Malta to or not Malta told Edda to teach Winter to be a man. She teaches him like knife fighting. I thought this was like yeah. equally as funny as like Rain you know, thinking easy prey. <laughs> Easy she can prey. do humor. She can do humor. <laughs> um, when when it comes at like lethal risk, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. uh, since you brought it up, Sean, uh, a Huron fan question: What intended consequences do you see? Because dragons are back. Yeah, that was like half of what would be my answer to that question. So you guys can take it from here. <laughs> additional ad- additional prices to raising livestock. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give away spoilers, so I've already ruined other books for Kip. So I'll let Kip. Do you, any predictions <laughs> of what's going? Dragons being back mean or? Uh, there's going to be new dragon riders, obviously. Uh, <laughs> maybe with more comfortable perches than being clasped in claws. Uh, there's going to be continuity of civilization. And probably a resurgence of skill users and possibly industrialization. And we'll see how that goes. At one point, um, Tintaglia mentions that Rain is dreamwalking to Malta. And then she was like, oh, only, she thought only elderlings could do this. So, and Fitz did that with Molly in Farseer. So, yep. I mean, well, the Farseer royal line has always had talent with the skill. Yeah, but so it seems like there's a skill elderling connection, which is not not a, exactly a revelation here. But I like how there's more yeah, concrete no. evidence um, in that part, and also the relationship between dragons and humans increase humans' lifespan, which is also kind of a cool tidbit. Hmm. I like the implication that there's going to be a bit harder a magic system imposed. <laughs> think so or 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 at least that a bit more uh language will be used for it (laughs) right we'll see yeah i thought i my biggest takeaway was elderlings i'm like oh so there's going to be new elderlings now because there's dragons and i mean that's obvious yeah (laughs) yeah but how's that going to affect you know the kind of uh like you said the hierarchy in this world well it seems like this world is is pretty much unpopulated in certain areas <laughs> at least most of the areas that we've seen a lot of room to grow a lot of room to grow i mean there was a uh, cataclysm of sorts <laughs> which is why yes the dragons oh, right. were in such a rough situation i wonder if maybe uh something can be done about some ice caps reforming and we can get some of those mountains back i don't know because <laughs> the in- the inundation seems to be severe this one made me laugh. Any character development didn't feel real. Uh, spoilers. For me, it was a satrap. Dude was a tool. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, he's definitely a tool. <laughs> but I think I think his character development didn't seem as 
extensive as everybody else's, but if anybody can put a face on something, it's the satrap. Mm-hmm. I think his devel- he was the same person as he was when we met him. I think there was like a blip mm. where he had in the bargaining uh, scenes with Malta, there's like a blip of him, what he could become if he put, you know, put effort into changing and being a better person. But just at the end with that dinner where Rain and Malta were at, he, he reverts back to the same person he was, spoiled, you know, just maybe some respect for Malta. But other than that, he didn't, hey, it's realistic, he didn't change. Some respect for Malta is a big change. <laughs> like, okay, it took, it took this woman saving your life. <laughs> but I think that's believable. I mean, I don't think that's uncharacteristic to have a minimal respect, at least for someone that, you know, no. Uh, but 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 it was like a a very positive light at the end on the satrap, at least on the surface of things. Sure. And it's one of those chapters which yeah, I could have done without that whole thing. I know that that was what I was thinking of when you said the last ten percent. I'm like oh so we're just at a ball up uh, at Jamilia and or wherever that city is and just yep hunky dory and we're wearing dresses and. <laughs> We're wearing dresses, we're being pretty, everyone's getting a large amount of money, which is going to pay them back for all of the travails that they have incurred during this trilogy. Uh, Some (laughs) people are finding buried treasure, some people... No. So unnecessary. Everyone didn't need to get their spelled out happy ending at the end. I needed it. I I needed some blip of happiness. Um, I would... Cirilla, maybe? I mean, she takes a, a hard turn into being a helpful person. Like, from. She was not evil. She's getting she a was, happy ending. She's getting a happy ending. Yeah, but do, what, is it characteristic that she would turn into such an ally so quick? Or yes. is it just that she saw the power was shifting and that she wanted to move towards. You know what I mean? She had no principles other than self survival. Much like Kenneth, yeah. And as long as she can maintain a lifestyle which is at or equal to a Bingtown trader, then she's happy. Because that was her entire self-worth. Yep. And it was her goal. Her goal was to escape being a companion of the heart and to become a Bingtown trader, which is an impossible goal for most people, but she did it. She did the homework, huh? By faking well, it until uh, you make it. Yeah, she faked it till she make it. She usurped a whole bunch of prerogatives. <laughs> and then she uh, came to a soft landing with the Vestrit family, who could have thrown her off. Mm-hmm. I'm not super happy with Cirilla's storyline, honestly. But I'm not supposed to be happy about any of them, so I'm fine with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that is kind of true. It's a weird thing to talk about, but like, I did feel fulfilled by everyone's storyline, but I wasn't like happy with like, I feel bad for where everyone's left off, except maybe Jack. Yeah. She seems pretty thrilled, but like, there's a lot of like stuff that Brashen and Althea have to work through. Lord knows Wintro has to work through some stuff. Uh, Malta and Rain have to adjust to their life. I mean, they, they've got to found a new civilization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Big Town has to be re- built you know i don't know so it's not like yeah this one's for you kit well for all of us but i think lady sweden was looking at you which romantic partnership were you most rooting for the most unanswerable question we've ever been asked <laughs> greg and brashen <laughs> <laughs> oh together oh, right. there's yeah. a little uh little yeah. 
I could a little sexual tension between those two. I, I felt it, you know, every time they there talked was a little about bit. each it other. It was there. It was it there. Was there. Yeah. I was thinking that. I'm like, oh, I see it. Uh, but re- realistically, Althea and Brashen, despite despite both of their problematic issues around consent, they both have definite problems in that regard, and definite yeah. issues that they need to work out. Um, yeah, even like it's it was after the rape. It really stuck with me that scene. I think where she didn't want to have sex with him and he took it as one way kind of selfishly like she's not <laughs> she's leaving her. for vivacia tomorrow and she doesn't want yeah me yeah <laughs> right <laughs> exactly but then and they talked like, about just, it which is the biggest thing finally I mean, just huge they, had, they yep. wouldn't they wouldn't recover if they didn't talk about it that would have been a a big stake in the middle of their relationship you know because they both had different <laughs> you know they thought different things they assumed different things the Paragon would have had to fix it for them. Like oh. Ophelia, you had to fix things for Althea earlier. Mm-hmm. I, um, Maybe that's what just. Lo- and then Paragon did th- did fix things. Yep. <laughs> They're just relationship uh, counselors for the people that sail them. True. <laughs> um, I I did find Althea and Brashen's relationship to be another reason why I found this book to be weaker than the other two. Um, hmm. I, I I liked how. They were way more communicative throughout the book. They actually talked to each other and expressed their problems. But I just don't really like the relationship. I don't. They don't have a lot of chemistry on the page for me. Um, and I never found it believable that Althea would settle down with anyone. I was always a fan of her just being a, a pirate or, I mean, a sailor, whatever. Um I mean, she didn't exactly settle down. Yeah. His first mate. Like, Yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. But I still just... I, I thought that um, there was a lot of page time devoted to their relationship. That I, I just didn't care about it. I, I didn't find it entertaining. Yeah, I, I liked it because of what Kip said, that she's not settling. I mean, that was her biggest fear, was settling yep. in Bingtown with stay-at-home mom while someone else goes out to see. And now she's... Uh, we're led to believe that her and Brashen will be living a life together... So as equals on, ah, close to equals uh, on the par- Paragon. To me, it's really weird to think that she's just going to trust that Wintro survives forever, though. Mm. Like, because what happens when the, the Vestrit on Vivacia dies? I don't know. Anything. Does anything happen anymore? Well, she's already quickened, so she's she's already quickened. But like, live ships are supposed to have a member of their family on board. Are we past that now that she's a dragon? Probably. Right. I mean, because you know she's a dragon, that it takes away from that rule. I mean, Althea will be on board, though, right? Or is she on Paragon? No, Althea. Althea. Althea's on Paragon. Right. Right. Okay. And then yeah, so just just Wintro is on Vivacia. Um Yeah, I mean, that is valid. Maybe she could make the switch over if need be. Because she leaves him, she leaves Vivacia because she has Wintro, and also because like, Vivacia doesn't want her yeah. anymore. Yeah, I, I don't think it's Wintro <laughs> so much as that Vivacia's whole without her. And she, she does, realized she, that she was yeah. not whole. She needed yeah. Vivacia more than Vivacia needed her. 
Yeah, I think Vivacious yeah, is a strong, independent ship that don't need no Vestrit. <laughs> and can now seal out blood. That was something that I picked up on as soon as it happened, by the way, and I felt very proud. <laughs> I remember that. That she could what? Uh, when blood didn't immediately sink into Wizardwood for the first time, I kept... I was like, ooh, ooh, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> That's something. Well, uh, yeah. What do we think about Bolt? Was that an interesting arc? I got tired of her a little bit. Actually. I got tired of Bolt. Yeah. I got very tired of Bolt. Yeah. Didn't like the... Wasn't a fan of the name. Wasn't a fan of her. But no. Right. Also, I don't. I don't like the shortening of Lightning Bolt to Bolt. I kept thinking of that Pokemon, Boltoon. <laughs> I kept. Like the, I kept the, thinking the of dog the Pokemon? dog from the movie. The, yeah, the the electric dog. Yeah. Oh. oh, the dog. Oh, you're thinking of John Travolta. I see. Yeah, yeah, Miley Cyrus. It was a good movie. What? Bolt, right? Isn't that who was voiced? Bolt, the dog, was John yeah. Travolta. Wait, what? That can't be right. That can't be right. Listen, I'll stake my whole <laughs> reputation on this. I know Miley Cyrus. Did I see Bolt definitely... in theaters? Played by John Travolta. <laughs> there we go. Wow. Say no more. Wow. I, I watched that myself. There was no kid wow. present. That was just yeah. myself. Okay. Um, this one just for Kip. Lady Sweden. Biggest surprise for our newbie Kip with this trilogy. And how many years before you do the next? <laughs> Less than one. I I need just I needed a big break after this. From, I didn't read this. I yeah. I don't I don't know how long it's going to be until I'm back to this one. It turned out to be three last time. We'll see how it. We'll see how it goes. It's not going to be as long this time because I was prepared. But uh, what was the biggest surprise? The biggest surprise was that Kenneth did it. <laughs> yeah, that that was the big... Um, you knew something was coming, right? You knew something bad was going to happen. I knew something was coming, but I didn't know what it was going to be, and it turned out to be Kenneth. Turned out to be Kenneth raping Althea. I wasn't prepared. Fair enough. Yeah. I thought he had an opportunity. I thought he had an opportunity, and he... He did, and he threw it away. It's the biggest trick that uh, Hob plays on us. Let us on a string. Yep. Oh, everyone wants to know about Kenneth. All right, combat. <laughs> they should be satisfied with our answers already. What we talked about. Kenneth could have convinced Wintro to stay without the help of Edda. Could he? Uh, how do we feel about Edda? She's one of the more fascinating characters of the book to me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I don't know what else there is to say about about Edda. I think the, the pivotal moment to me was that conversation with Paragon. I mean, everyone was in Kenneth's sphere was abused by him, whether they knew it or not. And Edda, I mean, just you said she's a smart person, Kit, and she totally yep. is. But it was blinded by her intelligence was blinded by her hopefulness with of Kenneth. The same hopefulness the readers had of Kenneth. I mean, and it wasn't just hopefulness. It was what he'd done for her. Yeah, true. Like Take all care. the things that he'd done for her, it lift, lifting her up out of uh, being a prostitute at a whorehouse that was trying to get rid of her. Yeah, yeah, did not care for her. The the maid, lead maid, maiden or whatever they're called. Yep, the the um, madam, the madame. Yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, that's a good point. It's ad- adoration for what he did for her. Um, yep, and then he got Wintro to teach her. Teach her to read. <laughs> I know. The, the intent yeah. versus action thing is nuts in this book. Just His intent was not, he could care less <laughs> if she knew how to read. It was mostly but to get her away from him. Etta became Kenneth's biggest apologist. Yeah. And and the most successful, honestly, at converting Wintrow over to Kenneth's side. And if Etta had died and Kenneth had survived, I would hate Etta a little bit. I would feel a lot of pity <laughs> for her. I would try and understand her and sympathize with her position. But I would have hated Etta for perpetuating abuse onto a next cycle. Wait, so if Edda died, you would hate her? Yeah. Because huh. she wouldn't have had an opportunity to fix what she'd done with Wintrow. Oh, I see. Mm. That's that's an interesting line of thinking that I probably agree with. Yeah, I'd have to think on that. Um, so, but do you you think Wintrow would have stayed with Kennan if Edda I don't wasn't think, involved? I don't think Wintrow would have been persuaded uh into giving himself over to Kennet if Etta hadn't been there. I disagree. I don't think Kennet was persuasive enough on his own. I think Wintrow saw some of the holes, saw some of the inconsistencies, and Etta worked to paper those over. They would have these conversations after Kennet would do something, and Etta would look at him with disgust and explain how what Kennet was doing was helping everyone and how could Wintrow still lack faith in him after all that he has done and Wintrow would come over to Edda's side on the, on those things Edda made a much stronger and more impartial case for Kennet's actions than Kennet often did all of that is true and you're right she would always, whenever he had the doubts and he was on the fence Edda would always pull him back onto the side but yeah. True. I, that is true. The only reason I don't think he would ever, I don't think he had the courage to fully go against Kenneth and just say, you're wrong and leave him. And I think unless he had someone I else think that's, who was I think it, active resistance is not the threshold I'm trying to pass here. What I'm trying to, what, what really signifies Wintrow being put on Kenneth's side is Wintrow setting his primary goal as assisting Kennet in his duties. Right. I don't think he would have gotten there without Etta. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like unless there was someone who was the opposite of Etta, who was on that other side of the fence, telling him, like, conf- confirming what he's sus- sus- uh, suspecting, that Kennet is in the wrong here, I don't think he ever fully... I just don't think he, he doesn't make decisions uh, at the end of the story. Whereas, like, with Kyle... In the beginning, he did. He was like, I'm getting off this ship. I'm escaping my father. <laughs> you know? And I think he regressed as a person I, with Kenneth. Yeah. Where he was just in this limbo where he could, he he had these the devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other. And I don't think he would ever fully, I think it would take longer. I think it was much quicker because of Etta. I think Etta really helped move it along that <laughs> those three are all in it together for Kenneth's cause. But I, I just don't see him having the, um, you know, for lack of a better term, the cojones to ever divert from that path of being Kenneth's follower. 
I think he would have had to have been pushed to something really extreme, but I think it would have resulted in the same thing that happened under Kyle, where he let the slaves free. If he had an opportunity, he might seize it. True. That's a good point. Yeah. He, he in, had it in him before. He definitely did. You're un, right. Until he found that opportunity, though, no, I don't think he would go against Kenneth because that's suicide. And although Kenneth's not against a little bit, sorry, and although Wintrow is not necessarily against being a martyr, he uh, <laughs> sometimes struggles to identify the correct moments for it. Well said. Ooh, this question's from Sean. I didn't see you add this on here, Sean. And this, I've been think I was thinking oh. about this so much. I don't know the answer, so maybe you do. We've we've kind of alluded to it, but yeah, go go for it. So why does Amber want Wintrow alive? Why is he the person of destiny? As in, like the you know, why is he the destiny figure that needs to be? And she even said she doesn't know. She talks to Wintrow and asks, like, "Do you know your path?" Do you? And Wintrow's like, "I don't know." And it leaves the fool kind of unsure if this was the right decision to follow him. So I think that it's kind of weird because there's a good chance that Amber just found him too late and he had already done the things that he needed to do. Um, which, So he let out that one serpent from the prison. Oh, right. yep. That was probably huge. Uh, that's true good point and could be could be the main thing right there yeah um mm-hmm. but then it's like it's not really satisfying for amber to like narrative wise for amber to be looking for him this whole time finally sees him and it's like oh yeah like a book and a half ago that was the big moment um it could also be related to kenneth's child i think it's one of those two things related to dragons related to kenneth's child mix of both that's where i'm at with it i think you have to know what amber's the fool what her goal is i don't want to say i don't think she knows what her goal is um yeah no comment that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) yeah we have to hold we gotta hold back a bit on this question yeah i do i think i do yeah anyway all right she she seems to worry about it quite a bit and if she's doing the right thing in order to achieve it uh during the course of these stories she seems to waver back on forth if she even has the ability to affect events at all very true i think that that's why i loved her conversation with paragon where she says yep. humans paragon says humans don't really make that much of a difference and it kind of <laughs> crushes her <laughs> could you imagine when Wintro returning to the monastery and becoming the abbot <laughs> can you imagine like becoming the leader of the religion could you imagine that happening it's weird it's like I would like to see that, or just returning to something, their old lives. I wish we would have got some confrontation of their old lives, whether Ronica now seeing Malta again, or Kefra seeing Malta again. With like You said there was a 10% prologue. It was like a 10% prologue or epilogue of things that I didn't really need. Like I would have preferred yep. if they yep. went back to Bingtown, that 10% epilogue. I didn't. I didn't need the last serpent chapter. I didn't need a lot of the serpent chapters. I, <laughs> I was gonna say, dude. what was the one serpent that died? Like the main one of the main serpents. I felt so bad for them. Malkin. Did Malkin did die? I don't remember. Uh, well, she who remembered died. I didn't. Re- I forgot about that. Yeah. In the first, uh, yeah. She who remembered. She didn't. She couldn't make it up the river. Tough help. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. Uh, I forgot about that one. Uh, uh, is there any other? I have like a bunch of 
things I want to rapid fire. Is there any other questions? I don't want to miss out. I don't want to do anyone dirty. Thank you for asking questions, by the way. Everyone on, uh, Malkin survived. Malkin did survive. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I want to see Dragon Malkin. I know. I want to see them all. Oh, one, one quick thing on the dragons. It's interesting how these dragons have like poison breath, mm -hmm. but the ones in the six duchies had fire breath. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Maybe we'll see different elements. Maybe uh, they have both. Maybe. Or maybe there's different types, different colors of dragons. Who knows? Well, yeah. the, wait, the dragons from the first trilogy? Yeah, they, they, they breathe fire. But they weren't... But these had like... They weren't real. They weren't real, yeah. yeah. Probably. They weren't real dragons. Probably. They were like those like rock dragons, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So these are... That's the, true. Honestly, I don't know where the fire came from with the rocks. I'd have to reread it, but... Yeah, these are like... <laughs> This was the first real living dragon the, the six duchies has yeah. seen. Yes. Um, uh, question. Oh, uh, Combat Osco asked for me, for Yeti Beats, how many times did Ship of Destiny make you cry? This book was a gun punch for me. Tears were shed. This is true. I am very Todd-like in my tears. Um, I will say surprisingly, and I put this in my notes, one of the most moving parts, I think Sean talked about it a little bit, was um, Kenneth's death. The handing over from uh, Vivacia to Paragon, um, I, I was kind of moved, kind of got water in my eyes, and I'm like, why am I crying about this, <laughs> this piece of garbage? But then when you're my, everything that's happened to him in his past and kind of what it means for Paragon and just making sure he dies on that ship, I, I thought it was honestly fairly beautiful. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I had too many tears of you know, the, the the rape was just... I didn't cry, but I was just in shock. I was legit in shock. Uh, <laughs> walking around, dazed in my, my room. I was in shock because that's when I made my point about uh, destiny being in this universe. And yeah. Kenneth's destiny suddenly... Because to me, that is that is the crisis point. That is the, like... what What's the, wor was it what's like the word that that the fool uses for those points? Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, the, the the things I that think... need that need the catalyst, right? Yeah. But what? I forget that. There's a name for the yeah. events that uh, can be shifted by a catalyst, and I think I think Kennet was Kennet, and perhaps Wintrow because their souls are intermingled. Uh, but they're the catalyst of the of this series. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it was Kennet that said. There is no such thing as extraordinary coincidence. There is only destiny. Yeah. Mm. And he didn't really believe it, but. Oh, yeah. I, that's, <laughs> I love that segue. What's here and asked, what's the biggest theme of this trilogy, which I think can go in a lot of directions. Um, do you think it's destiny? Is it something else? I think it's something. No, else. I think it's be able to move on from your trauma. One of the quotes. Yes. Nailed it. Yeah. 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 Like that trauma. In one of the quotes you put Yeti, uh, the, the part of it just perhaps people have a right to their pain he hazard re reluctantly he added perhaps they even need it ding 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 yeah <laughs> well i don't i highlighted that because it i keep reading that's all i gotta say that was like a, oh this applies to bigger things than just this book per but definitely perhaps they even need it althea <laughs> <clears throat> yeah that's why i'm pissed take it back 
<laughs> but you're right. It's it's trauma, right? I mean, trauma and what it does to a person and how they what path they choose and what they do with that trauma, what it what they make of it, I guess, so to speak, or positive and negative. I mean, look at Cirilla, the trauma she faced. She turned into, you know, power hungry. Kenneth, we obviously know what it did to him. Paragon, look what it did to him. He would he hid from him. He would just sat on the shores forever and just hid himself away. Althea, she she almost went down a path of isolating people. And, you know, it's just it's I think trauma is definitely the whole point of this um, this story. Destiny too. Yeah. I could I could see an argument with Destiny. I I think in this series I finally started to come to grips with how Hob intertwines her character's destinies with the like metatextual narrative of her stories. Uh mm-hmm. What do you mean like like the the climax of the book was chapter 26 for me and that's weird but it's where it happened. And everything after that felt inevitable. Everything up until that point could have changed. Things could have gone a different way. And then that happened, and then everything fell into place from there on. Well said. And it feels like that, too, one after another. It's like, oh, and yep. now things are happening because this decision yep. was made. All the, de- the, the final decision that had been stretched out for so long got made, and then that was, that was the beginning of the end. All, there were there were no further like pivotal decisions to be made. Everything was done there. Can I say real quick? Because this was brought up a couple times, I think, on the Discord, like for people reading through it. And I thought this was obvious. And I think it is. People were like, uh, "Was Kenneth sexually attracted to Wintro?" One hundred percent. Like I mean, always was, always yeah. has been. <laughs> day one. That was a day one thing. But it's like, it's funny how people were like, wait a second. It's like, yeah, is he? And I think that's like, and they made a big point of that when he met Althea, how much he lo- she looks like Wintro. You on, know I mean? on, honestly, if you miss that that was happening in this story, then I do not trust anything you have to say about gay <laughs> uh, subtext and literature ever again. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't have made it more obvious. I mean, I, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I think it's a little problematic for Hob to to have Kennet be raped and then lead to that a- attraction, but there's there's more to unpack there, probably. Oh yeah, Kennet Kennet died for... with scads of unresolved trauma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right, we've been we've been killing it. We've been going long. I I'll do rapid fire on anything else we kind of missed. Uh, Kip's question. I'll, any of the ones you. Uh, is it possible to get away from people's visual perceptions coloring their view of you? I thought that was a fun uh, thing that was interwoven into this book, was that someone's visual presence, their presentation, their physical appearance was constantly affecting their relationships with other people. Constantly. Althea with Kefra. She dressed like a Althea man. with Kefria, uh, Malta with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ration, dressed like a pirate. Uh, Ronica uh, made quite the transformation in her visual appearance over it. The Rainwilders always veiling themselves. Yeah, yeah. The Paragon being blind for most of the series. Sure. Uh, and him perhaps being able to see closer to the hearts of people than many others could. And 
Cirilla putting on all of her airs, trying to gain importance and power through the presumption of power itself. The three ships people who are looked down on based on where they lived or what they did, and it just never stopped. Or even of, just the the map um, faces, the uh, the tattoos marks, the skin color sc- of the Chalcedians. Ev- um, Seldon getting scales. Yeah, physical yep. scars from Malta when she got deformed Malta in the being, accident. Yep, being very concerned about her beauty. Which I did you buy that? She's worried that Rain's going to think a little, she's ugly. Little overdone. He's like a lizard. A little dude, overdone. Right? He'd be lucky to. What are you talking about? Yeah. She, I think it was a little overdone. She'd never had a mirror, so it was like this abstract <laughs> fear. That is true. I was thinking that. She never really got to see only what other people said about her, like the Chelsea. Yeah. Like, oh, this one, or the satrap and, put her down. And what she could feel. And I imagine that what she felt wasn't necessarily reassuring. Yeah. That's a good observation, though. I didn't even think that. That plays so much into this this story, just the appear, physical appearance of, of people in here and what they're wearing, things like that. Yeah. Um, I brought this up. I don't know if I agree with any of it, kind of, but kind of the gender politics in this book and like the idea of women holding women back. Um, you could say Kefria holding Althea back in her judgments. You could say uh, Cirilla holding Ronica back um, or Malta holding or holding Malta back, maybe. Um, but it felt like there was something that, or even like, I would even argue Edda not standing Edda up not for speaking Althea. up. Yep. Yeah. You know what that reminded yep. me of? Or like the opposite? If, who here has seen West Side Story? Anyone? Yes. No. Here we go. So there's a scene where the, uh, the white crew, I don't know if they're the Jets or the Sharks, I can't remember. But they get, they like surround this one girl at the end and they look like they're about to rape her. And the other girl from the other crew like steps in and saves her and like pushes her out and call, calls everyone out on it. Like, you guys are nothing, no better than honestly rapists. And it was like the exact opposite of what Edda did for uh, Althea. She instead just attacked yeah. her. <laughs> and it was kind of glaring. Though. Like a teenage gang is a little different than a pirate ship. No, but just the the idea of someone who's on the opposite side of you, who is also and it was a in woman. a more lethal situation. But she was never in, she would never be in danger by sticking up for Althea. Do you oh, think? she would have been absolutely, absolutely. Isn't she too respected on the ship? I think that yeah. Well, if Kent, that's I mean, Kenneth's I guess Kenneth also found very a... respected, right? And it's which one of them is more respected, and I. I don't know. I that think would have been an point. interesting battle to watch it to watch unfold, but uh, right. in a Hob universe, I think Kennet. But I don't think she was thinking of self-preservation <laughs> in that moment. She was more hurt that Kennet chose Althea over her or did this to her. I don't think she was. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like she. I think she was thinking of self-preservation. Yeah. So again, but that's holding another woman back. Another instance of it, not sticking up for it, just having that communal bond. Even Jack. Even Jack. You know, there's there's always this thought in an oppressed group that if you can just police yourself well enough, then other people will not be able to take advantage of you for doing something bad or whatever. Uh, this comes up in yeah. the gay community a lot regarding uh, sex positivity and uh, open relationships, polyamory, sluttiness, mm-hmm. fetishization. Uh, 
how many how much how many clothes do you have to wear in a pride parade there's there's all of this like self-policing and if only we do it well enough and we make people too ashamed to be themselves then maybe we'll get accepted by the group in power maybe 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 then the majority will think that we're fine and you know we we can be respected and have rights and you know it's uh, so toxic also i want to point out like just because i'm saying women are holding women back in this trilogy men i think it should go without saying are holding women back (laughs) you know oh yeah men men are holding women back and also men are holding men back men back yeah maybe just holding people back and even the idea obvious people not seeing people as people but you know, as yeah. whatever. There's the rapes in this book, slaves. I mean, that's a big theme too. Is that these are just, or even Kenneth seeing people as objects to further him, or whatever. You know. Yep. It's kind of interesting how, um, the uh, the whole trader area, Bingtown, and that whole kind of bay area is technically more economically and socially advanced than the six duchies. The six duchies have a more uh, advanced social gender thing going on there I, I think everyone's more in even terms up north kind of ironic mm. you can only create the the so-called civilized gender roles when people aren't fighting for like basic hierarchies on maslow's pyramid <laughs> yeah i don't know who i think better bing town or the six duchies <laughs> i think they uh each have their faults and, and they do say that like in the earlier eras when bingtown was back just with the founding families women were just as equal as men back then right it's really something that's come up more recently and with more chalcedain influence mm-hmm. all right i i don't think we have any more questions <laughs> the only note i have is the <laughs> chalcedians were comically villainous <laughs> it's like they if that's the one that didn't have any like character arc those guys were just like just evil. they just weren't <laughs> counting on dragons <laughs> <laughs> their fatal flaw they would have had it all if it wasn't for the pesky dragon yeah um anything else kip sean anything else you want to touch on i hope we did it justice i you know ah uh, it was a pleasure to do it with you uh guys it was great and yeah, and I hope fun. that maybe we can reform this again sometime in the future when I'm ready to continue on. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I need a, a, I need a break from it. Too. left. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would love to read the next trilogy with you too because, you know, a lot of people say it. I, I don't know, Sean, if you like the next trilogy better than this one. I go back and forth. They're like one A, one B. That like they're just both. My favorite Hob book is in the next trilogy, but. Overall, this one's probably better. It's, it's close, actually. It's close. I think overall this one's better. I just, again, I think she works so well with the multi-POVs when the story is just yeah. all these different characters. And, you know, it's not without its flaws, obviously. But um, I don't know. The emotional ups and downs you went through on, on all their journeys was, uh, you know, it was wicked fun. Too many serpents, too many epilogues. But other than that, fantastic book. But again, but again, the serp- luckily those serpent chapters were so short. Thank God, because you know what I mean. Thank like God. It, yeah, it was like every time you're like, man, this is a drag. But yeah, we're getting it out of the way pretty, uh, pretty quick. All right, well that's it for the live ship traders episode of the Green Team podcast. 
Uh, thank you guys for all your questions this time around. I hope I hope everyone enjoyed listening to it. Um, you know, I hope people were angry and disagreed with us in many points, and uh, you know, said Wintrow's a stand-up guy. But um, we'll see. We look forward to hearing you in the discussions. I want to thank uh, Horizon Brave for starting this bad boy and giving us the chance, and Craig for letting us talk about uh, an author that they despise, and <laughs> my fellow panelists. Hey, Craig gave me a hob book. Not, wow. Big, well, he probably hated it so much. He paid, <laughs> paid you to take it. <laughs> um, That'd be Kyle. Hey, Kyle's my favorite, but I he broke my heart listening to him on that, that podcast. Um, anyway, so thank you, Kip, and thank you, Sean. This was awesome, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys down the road for more Hob. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, everyone. See ya.